You're listening to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This episode is brought to you by the Vacation Rental Formula's own Virtual Vendor Showcase. The Virtual Vendor Showcase is a virtual online exhibitor hall, giving you the opportunity to browse products and services that may be of value to you and your business, all with video testimonials from people who have used a product or service and talk about how their business has been transformed because of it. Head across to vacationrentalformula.com forward slash VVS to find out more. Now, let's get started. Here's your host, Heather Bayer. In today's episode, I am talking to Sue Jones of HR4VR, a human resources company that focuses specifically on the vacation rental business. And I'm going to talk to Sue about how businesses have come through sort of post-pandemic in terms of, of their staffing and their resources, and also to cover how we as small property managers can begin our staffing process. How do we find that right person, particularly when people are still working from home or have some special needs following this weird old year we've just had? This is the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, keeping you up to date with news, views, information and resources on this rapidly changing short-term rental business. I'm your host, Heather Bayer, and with 25 years of experience in this industry, I'm making sure you know what's hot, what's not, what's new and what will help make your business a success. Well, hello and welcome to another episode of the Vacation Rental Success Podcast. This is your host, Heather Bayer, and happy to say that my tech issues of previous weeks do seem to have been resolved. I have my laptop back, which I mentioned last week was a particular issue for me because I am really tied to that trusty old laptop. So much so, I mean, you should see it. The, uh, The Apple guy was just blown away by the fact that I've completely, it's only three years old, and I've completely obliterated several of the keys on the keyboard. So I had to have a new keyboard too, because of just continued use. So I use a lot of M's, I use a lot of N's, and I appear to use a lot of V's as well. Okay, V, vacation rental, do I type that a lot? I don't know. But those are the keys that have disappeared on me. I have to remember where the M and the N keys are. But anyway, new keyboard. So that's fine. It's almost like new. I've got the new shell because I blew up the screen, uh, the screen display somehow, and then new keyboard. So I was like a good new top and bottom to my laptop. It's like, really is like having a new one. Now I've just got to uh, do something about my filing system and the fact that I have very little memory left because I've got so much stuff on it. So now it looks like new. I can sort of treat it like new and try and take things back to the beginning again. But anyway, had a real problem last week with tech trying to get my iMac to tie into my machine that regulates the sound for the podcasts and it it just wasn't working well. But that's all resolved. So I'm pleased to get back on track and speak to my special guest today, who has been on the show before, and she's a lovely lady, used to hail from Oregon, now from Idaho, and this is Sue Jones from HR4VR. I mean, Sue's been around the industry for quite a while. She's an HR human resources specialist, 
And she worked for Navis for some time. And that was her first involvement with the vacation rental business. And she saw from that that there was there were very specific needs within this industry for specific types of people. And for any of you out there who are hiring and want to find the right people to fit into the right roles, you know that it's it's tough. You've got to have a very special person. You've got to have a very special person to be a reservationist. You've got to have a special person to be your customer service specialist. And I mean, this is for me. I have to have a very special person to, to look after all the books and the finances. But sometimes when you're starting out, you need one person who is going to take up the slack that is created by you as a sole proprietor trying to do absolutely everything. And I know from my experiences that sometimes you think, I just want to get somebody who is a clone of me to do exactly the same as I do. And then I'm going to be working half the time. Well, actually, that's not what you need. We all want somebody just like us because you know you're going to get on with them. But actually, you want somebody that's pretty much opposite to you. Somebody that's going to do all that stuff that you really hate doing. For me, when I first hired, the things I hated doing were bookkeeping. Anything to do with numbers because I'm number dyslexic and really anything to do with that, you know, down in the dirt type of stuff, the the details. You know, they say the devil is in the details. Well, I never get down to that area. I like to leave that to somebody else. So I've I've hired for people to come and get down in the details for me so that I can continue to take a strategic overview, which is where I like to be. So I like to be on the top looking down and I hired for people who could be on the bottom looking up. But we don't always do that. So anyway, that's why I wanted to talk to Sue to find out how we find this perfect person or these perfect people. And also to to ask her what she's seen over the past year uh, in terms of how businesses have handled remote working, people coming back into work and just hiring in general. So without further ado, let's go on over to my interview with Sue Jones of HR for VR. Okay, I'm super excited to have with me today Sue Jones from HR4VR calling in from Idaho. How is Idaho? Because is it much of a change from Oregon where you moved from, Sue? Well, it is for a number of reasons. We have different governors. <laughs> Vast, vastly different governors, apparently. Vastly different governors. You know, it's it's really great. I lived in the high desert area for almost 20 years, and I forgot how beautiful it is to be back in, you know, the the Snake River area with the grass and the trees and the cooler temperatures. So, we are really enjoying, you know, this uh, new lifestyle here and getting to see great areas. Oh, that's that's wonderful. I mean, I I moved so many times in the past sixty something years, <laughs> and you know, it's when when you finally arrive somewhere and you think, oh my gosh, I've done it. This is it. Which is how I felt when I arrived in Ontario nearly twenty years ago, and never looked back. So, are you going? Do you think you're going to have that? You've got that. I will never look back on this. 
Yeah. And I kind of felt that way when I moved to Bend. I'm like, this is my spot. I'll never leave, you know? And it's kind of like employees, you know, they come and they think they found their spot and they're never going to leave. And then all of a sudden you find out that they do. Yes. Yes. I, I have not faced that yet. I have not faced any of my employees raising their hands and saying, I'm done here. I'm going somewhere else. So I know that's going to happen at some point in the future. But let's just take a quick look back over the last year. How have property managers and the people that you're talking to, how have they weathered the pandemic in relation to staffing and people working from home, et cetera? Well, I think they've weathered it all well. And then when it comes to staffing, you know, it's been really interesting. I've done some surveys in different parts of the country. And, you know, I found that most most vacation rental companies were staffed at about 70 to maybe 80 percent last year. And that was a challenge. And even some companies were down to like 60%. So all of the property managers are running short-staffed, short-handed at a time when, you know, reservations and, you know, revenues are going sky high. And so, you know, being able to find the people. And I think that was the biggest challenge last year. Number one, not being able to find people. Number two, having these federal unemployment packages really come in and disrupt the workforce. The other piece and where I'm seeing people was the, you know, just trying to learn how to navigate through COVID Mm -hmm. because all of a sudden, all of a sudden your doors were closed and what do you do? Who goes home? Who goes remote? Who stays? How do you handle all of this? And then once you do go remote, how do you manage all of that? Because a lot of the property managers, while lots have remote employees, there are just as many who don't. So Mm -hmm. that was the biggest learning curve, I think, for a lot of companies was how do you manage people who work remotely, especially in this industry? Well, we went remote about eight years ago. So, you know, when, when March 2020 came and everybody was scrambling for this, it was like, oh yeah, we've, (laughs) we've got this, we've got this, but then we'd been remote working in normal circumstances. So now we were remote working in circumstances that were very, very different, where we had to deal with a lot of issues, a lot of cancellations and refunds and governments. Well, every, you know, governments of not just Canada, but the province of Ontario and different health units changing their minds every couple of days. Yes, you're open. No, you're not open. Outdoors is open, resorts are open, cottages are not open. And we're still a year on or 15 months on now, we're still going through the same old stuff. But I found that that even though we understood remote working, we thought, it still wasn't that easy because there were all these other things that sort of came in to play that we hadn't experienced before. I think one of the biggest things they're experiencing today is the whole mask and the mask mandates and, you know, the CDC recommendations and who gets to wear a mask, who doesn't, and how do you manage that? And so I think a lot of people are going through some of these changes, but it's great to see that companies are starting to open up again and, you know, allow people who are vaccinated not to wear masks. So that's certainly helped. But one thing I did think that has really impacted companies over this last year has really been about the changing workplace. And when you think about in the past, you know, we we would manage the employee's experience at work. 
we used to always say, you know, leave your drama at home, you know, don't bring it to work, keep the problems at home. Well, with all of this, now we're managing the entire life experience of employees. When they went home to work, they became teachers, they had kids, Mm -hmm. they had spouses. And so that's an area where managers, I think, were a little less equipped to be able to handle all of these situations. So, you know, seeing that shift and change in this workplace has really been a dramatic effect, I think, and, and had an impact on, on some of the, the employees' lives and how they can manage because not only are they coming to work, but they also have all of these other stresses at home, plus mm-hmm. COVID, plus, you know, quarantines and kids. So that's that's been a real eye-opener, I think, and, you know, getting more training for employers and managers around how to handle some of these kinds of situations because they just haven't had to. It, it hasn't been on the radar. Yeah, we're going to come back to that in a bit, of actually, about training, about how you find that appropriate training for, for, for staff. Yeah. So with this continued remote working is going to be a likelihood uh, in the future. And with the things that you just you just mentioned, and I actually saw a, an, an article in a newspaper this morning about people unplugging and the fact that managers are expecting people to stay plugged in for far longer because they're at home. So, you know, if I want you at 7 p.m., you, you should be sitting there on your laptop because you were at six o'clock this morning. So right. what can property managers do to retain staff at the moment when the, there's obviously a, a higher likelihood risk of burnout? Well, that's a loaded question. <laughs> <laughs> you know, the, the risk of burnout is high. And I think, you know, I was just talking with a a company earlier and they're understaffed. One of their key positions is, you know, they have four or five, let's say, property care positions. They're understaffed and, you know, people are pulling extra duty to get the work done. So everybody's contributing and the burnout is huge. Mm -hmm. And, you know, how do you manage to give people time off to sit back and take a day or two in the hype of the season? You don't. How do you get people through this? And one of the things that I really feel is important right now is that people look into some of these EAP employee assistance programs. They can provide some of those alternative resources such as counseling, help with financial status, help with, you know, maybe concierge services. They need to find a place for daycare or, you know, they have a financial situation or they need a legal representative. These are the kinds of things and the kinds of problems employees are struggling with that are helping to cause some of this burnout. And so providing those kinds of resources, giving employees resources so that they have the ability to eliminate some of these additional stressors is really important right now. So does that is that the same for these these very small companies? I mean, last time we talked, which was incidentally 100, epi- 100 episodes ago. <laughs> Was it? Oh, once, once a hundred, you know, yeah, a hundred episodes. Wow. Yeah. I think it was 289 and this is going to, well, this is going to be 200, uh, 391, (laughs) but we, we spoke at that time about smaller property managers and, and those who are just beginning to say, I've got to get somebody to help me out. And, and when I did, um, I recorded the introduction for this. So in the introduction, I'd said that it, it really is, you know, tough because, and I've, I've 
went through this 20 years ago. I want to get somebody exactly like me, just exactly like me, because I'm going to get on with them for a start. (laughs) And then it will be really, really easy for me to say, okay, I want to download all this stuff that is is burning me out and I want to download it to you. And then you find you get somebody exactly like you and they don't want to do that stuff that you don't want to do as well. And it's so true because when you interview, you always make a connection with someone who is like you. And, you know, as we talked about, it's just so important to understand those, the skills that you're looking for that complement yours, right? Because you need someone who can take off those things you don't want to do and do them because they love to do it. Not because you're like you. (laughs) Well, this is it. This is why I, I can't, I don't work very well with my son, Mike, because he is, he's a clone of me. And the pair of us, we'll have a meeting, we're going to have a meeting, Mike. And then we start talking about business. And the next thing we've squirreled off into a dozen different new business plans. (laughs) (laughs) And there's nobody to say, get grounded. Right. And and I think, you know, when you're absolutely right, when you're interviewing somebody, you can get into that, that excitement about, gosh, this person's just like me. And we can, we can have so many ideas together. And it it ain't going to work, right? (laughs) And, and, you know, you think about teams and, you know, the value of the team is the diversity of the team. Mm -hmm. And when we hire all of these individuals who kind of get into this group think, then, you know, you're not you're not getting a good diverse representation. And, you know, and when you have a diverse team, then you've got people who really enjoy what they're doing. They really enjoy the, the tasks. They're in the right seats, right? Yeah. So how how do you find these? How do you find these people that are, are not? Well, I will say, them? you know, other than you know, the direct workforce, which you need, you know, on site on property, having this remote workforce open up is really a great opportunity for a lot of vacation rentals and property managers because now they can hire talent anywhere. Mm-hmm. And so you really, you are not limited to your local marketplace anymore. And I think that was the biggest area that people were, you know, struggling with is when they were looking for full-time employees, maybe in marketing or reservations or guest services or owner services, they looked for people in their local market. Whereas now you can find people with these skill sets all Mm -hmm. over internationally as well. So it's really opened up an area for people. And the, the one thing I really encourage people to think about is be really clear about what you want and don't interview somebody and love them so much that you're going to go <laughs> change that job so that there's a fit for them in the business. You, you got to kind of stay true to the course. Now, if you really love somebody, you could find them another job, but stay true to the course of what you need because you spend a lot of time investing and figuring out what that right resource is. So let's talk about psychometric testing for a little bit, because I'm just not very good at at finding the people who are going to fit the slots that I don't, that has, that have the skill set that I don't, because generally I am aiming for that person who's like me. So even though I have this very rigid, this is what I want this person to do, I can try and fit them into (laughs) you're really, really nice. I want to fit you into this slot. And somebody's nodding and saying, yes, I can do this. And I've got some, I, I've got, uh, you know, evidence of doing this in a previous job and they're answering the right, answering the questions in, in the, in the way I think is right. Right. 
But I know that, you know, many years ago, we hired a virtual assistant in the Philippines. And I used a, an employment company in the Philippines to do this. And they administered psychometric testing to all the applicants. And I got, I got this great range of these results. And so when I interviewed Hannah, who has been with us now, gosh, must be seven or eight years, full-time in the Philippines, never met her, but she works for us full-time and she's you know, I remember when she was pregnant with her twins and now they're going to school. And so she's an integral member of our team. But I think I would have had a tougher job to um, place her into the role that I wanted her to do without that testing, without those results, which told me a lot more about where all her, you know, some of this skill set came from. You know, it's really interesting because when you think about the testing or the different assessments, and we typically think about behavior assessments. So there is a wide barrage of different types of assessments out there. You could go anywhere from Strength Finders, which is a Gallup, you know, book you can buy for 1995 and you go through and you can assess your strengths. There's also very validated assessments such as Meyer-Briggs or DISC assessments that really go back and they look at these behaviors, as well as there are other indexes. There's the predictive index, the culture index, and they all lead towards the same things. A lot of times what you want to do with these different assessments is use them consistently. That's the key is that if you're going to use an assessment, you want to use that assessment for all of the applicants or all of the positions so that you can start to really get a good sense of what the different behavior traits are. And the one thing the assessments are going to tell you is a lot about the behavior traits. It's not necessarily going to talk to you a lot about their skills and abilities and knowledge. It's Mm -hmm. going to talk about their behaviors. So, for example... If you, you know, I'm not sure it was Hannah you mentioned in the the Philippines and her role, is her role more back-end administrative? Yes, yeah, it's back-end administrative, data entry, but also research. That was something that we were particularly interested. We wanted somebody who could could go out and just do the research without any, uh, you know, on her own initiative. So, you know, somebody who is really autonomous, somebody who is able to research information, is inquisitive. But those kinds of things may be more of an introverted behavior style versus if you were going to find a sales individual, somebody who you wanted to be on the phone dialing for dollars, you're going to want somebody who's going to be more extroverted. So even without doing these assessments, you can think about, do I need someone who's more introverted or more extroverted? And then when you look at these assessments, they they definitely give you an indication of where their behaviors are from a standpoint that are noticeable. So what kinds of behaviors do you typically notice time over time? And we know that past behaviors are a predictor of future performance. So if you're looking for someone who's maybe very energetic and drive and has a sense of urgency, you'd be looking for a certain behavior style. Or a certain, you know, like with the predictive index, they have different words like captains or engineer, which really specifically talk to that. Mm -hmm. What I like to do with the assessments 
is use them as a barometer to find out more about the individual and then how do they use these behaviors in the workplace. And then you can talk about these skill sets. So Heather, as you're talking, if you need somebody who's inquisitive, the assessment's going to tell you whether or not they like to problem solve or a critical thinker or inquisitive. But then what you want to do is ask questions around that and around their competency in problem solving so that you can use these in, in tandem. And what happens is when you go through these assessments and read them, what I like to encourage people to do is find things that might be a red flag and talk to the candidate about how they address those situations. Because for instance, um, with the DISC, I come across as a, a high ID, extroverted, you know, very people-oriented, driving, getting things done. But on the other hand, I have a strong attention to detail. So, you know, you want to talk to people, figure out what their behaviors are, and then make sure that they have those skill sets and the knowledge and the aptitude to be able to accomplish the tasks. And what I like about these assessments is they do provide you with a lot of information around motivating, you know, around how people like to communicate, how do you engage people. And so these assessments can be used from the time you recruit and hire someone to the time they exit your company. Mm -hmm. There's all kinds of coaching opportunities. So there's a lot to be said for it in use in tandem with other resources as well. That that sort of brings me to something that you know don't we we don't really do, and that's performance management, management. performance assessment, particularly you know with with all our staff working from home. And I guess you know we started very small. We just well, like everybody does, you start with with one member of staff and then grow. But we've never got to this point of saying, okay, we ought to do an an annual performance assessment. How would you suggest that you know? Because I know there's there's a lot of people listening who are perhaps in this same situation. They've started small. They've they're huge. They're they're great friends with all their their staff. They haven't got to the point now where they're stepping back as managers and looking at their staff from a from a more formalized perspective. Sure. sure. So first of all, I would say kudos to you for not doing annual evaluations. <laughs> I really think that how you manage performance is you manage it on a day-to-day basis. You extend your trust, you know, you set expectations. You, you know, accommodate their work schedules. You do these things to get the results. And as you say, as you kind of grow up as a family and you learn and people know and acknowledge, it's not to say, though, that people don't want feedback. People do want feedback, but they want feedback that's timely and ongoing. Mm -hmm. So I like to recommend that people meet like once a quarter, maybe just have a a one-to-one, a touch base talk about what's working well, what isn't, what kinds of things would employees like to be more involved with from a development standpoint. And I really feel when you think about performance and you think about an annual performance review, what we're doing is we're reviewing the performance in the past. We're always looking back, talking about what happened in the past versus when you're managing performance on a day-to-day basis, you're coaching Mm -hmm. for future And you're coaching behaviors to incent people to make changes. So it's it's a real, it's more of a catalyst for change. Mm -hmm. And so 
you know, the, the formal programs worked well back in the day when you had these large companies and you had to use them to rank, file, and, you know, check off the list that you've done this. But in today's environment, people want to be managed much more frequently, have conversations. And I kind of think about them as fireside chats, too. It's just like sit down, have a chat and really talk about what's going on. And if there's opportunities to discuss for development or if there's concerns, do it really timely. I'm so glad you said that because it almost sounds like I'm doing it right. (laughs) Um, I think because I come from that, you know, I'm I'm from that era. You know, I worked for Reader's Digest for years and years. And and I remember the, you know, the annual performance review and everybody got edgy about it. And yeah. that performance review looked back, you know, what you've done in the past year. And do you remember that time? It's like, no, I don't remember that time. <laughs> really interesting too because performance reviews annual performance reviews can hinder a business from the standpoint of you met with me and gave me all glowing report and you know everything I wanted all fours or all fives and then all of a sudden something happened and you let me go six or seven months later but there's no documentation mm-hmm. you, and you know somebody would look back at the performance review and say well look you know Sue was great seven months ago and you let her go, well, there's nothing to say in between that you yeah. had any conversations. So sometimes it can be, you know, sometimes it can be a problem. Counterproductive <laughs> sounds like. Counterproductive, yeah. yeah. And, you know, you mentioned, obviously, your team has been with you. And, you know, when you think about managing remote employees, it's really important to set expectations early and often. Mm-hmm. You've always got to touch base. The one thing, and um, it sounds like you've done this quite well, is you extend trust. I think that's one of the challenges that a lot of the PMs had through COVID is all of a sudden you're used to seeing somebody sitting in front of you and you can manage or you or you can manage their productivity or you can see what they're doing. And now all of a sudden they're home and they're out of sight and you're thinking, well, are they doing laundry? Are they, you know, watching TV? Are they cooking their dinner? You know, what's going on? And, you know, the key is to really extend the trust because you're not going to physically be able to monitor them. And, you know, you trusted them when they were in the workplace. So trust them when they're at home. And that's been a big piece. We've always had this trust. And I think because when we started working from home, we only had two employees and now we've grown. So each one learns from from the others. And, you know, just, just something I wanted to you know throw out there about something that's really worked for us. And I used to get these, you know, emails saying, I've, I've got to go to an appointment. And is, is that okay? And I said, look, I don't, you know, just tell me as long as you do the work, then I'm quite happy. If you just say, I'm going to be out of the office for the next two hours, I don't need to know what you're doing or why you're doing it. Just make sure that you're covered and that, you know, you, you put back those two hours at another time. And that really has worked well. And that is, it, that is all down to trust. And that's, that's a big piece. And the other thing that's happening, you know, as a, as a result of this larger workforce is people are starting to accommodate more flexible work schedules. Mm. Now, it's hard from a, you know, an hourly pay kind of thing because people are clocking in and clocking out. But people are recognizing that the work doesn't necessarily have to get done between eight and five. 
if it's not a direct response or call, but some of the work can be done at other hours. So companies are also starting to introduce a little more flexibility Mm -hmm. so that people have, like you mentioned, the time to take two hours off to go do something without a big impact. Um, And I'm sure, you know, as you've learned, the one thing is it's just, you have to over-communicate. You've got to have small touch bases and, you know, how do you do's and what's happening in your life and, you know, just continue to set those expectations. Yeah, when we use Slack for all our communication and we have just one channel that's just called me and and that's where anybody can go in and, you know, daughter's had a baby or, you know, you know, a little celebration or just bought a house or whatever. And that Slack channel is open all the time. And it doesn't matter where you are in the day. If somebody posts in the Slack channel, everybody's going to pile in. And, right. and that, I, I guess, it's our version of, of the water cooler is, is having that space where people can go and, you know, have a moan or whatever they want to do. It's, it's a space for them. And that's great. And I know that um, there are several people that I've worked with that use Facebook in the workplace. And they all have a channel for, you know, Mm -hmm. these kinds of things, the birthdays and anniversaries and special things going on. And it's really powerful because people really get in and have fun and share information. And and it helps to build that, that kind of collaboration. Yes. Yeah. I mean, my office manager, Sandra, who's been been with us for 15 years, I think now. So she runs a dairy farm and every spring um, her, her kids have always had kids, goats. <laughs> so we always have the me channel gets filled with pictures of baby goats when they start getting born. And it's, it is, yeah, it is just like being together, except, you know, yeah. you just, yeah. you can't share the hugs, but then we can't share the hugs anyway. Right. I know. Well, yeah, it'll be a whole new world, won't it? <laughs> So I'm glad, you know, that, that was, that was great information, great discussion about performance reviews and just having that feedback sessions. I think that's, that, mm-hmm. that's fantastic. We did talk about training. So you, you take new people on, no doubt there's internal training and right. we're encouraging all our, our staff because every one of our staff has a particular specialism. So one of them is in in charge, I see whatever the the property man our property management system. She knows it inside and out. She has a second person who she trains, and then the pair of them produce these loom videos for the rest of us. And then we try and do that. Uh, you know, everybody who's Caitlin is is our active campaign special specialist. So she'll do little videos on on active campaign. So that's the internal stuff. What about things like? I want to train my staff in customer service and give them some really good customer service training. I'm a great fan of John DeJulius. And Ooh. ever since I saw him at a, at a VRMA conference years ago. Yeah. Um, yeah. So I encourage them to read, read his book, but to actually send them off on a John DeJulius training course, we don't have those sorts of funds. How do small companies get training done external training done at a reasonable amount? Well, you know, I think that they use a lot of different providers. Like when you talked about your staff doing the onboarding with the videos, there are people who have key strengths in certain areas. So I think that's one of the areas. But, you know, really assessing the training needs, I think, is important. And, you know, not everyone has the same 
like everyone needs customer service. Boy, oh boy, especially nowadays, you know, you've got to have that. But assessing the needs and then finding out how people like to learn. Mm -hmm. So there are, like you mentioned, YouTubes. There are all kinds of TED Talks. There are all kinds of books. A lot of things that I've encouraged several of my team and, and clients to do in the past is to have book clubs. So where you all read a book and maybe it's a book on like the one minute manager or how to delegate or customer service and 10 easy steps. But those kinds of training are really valuable where you all take a piece and then you come back and you discuss Mm -hmm. it. And it's low cost, right? You can get everybody a copy of a book. You read that. You talk about that. Um, Not everybody likes to read. And so when you think about it, you have audiobooks. you know, they can download those things. The other kind of training is just like you mentioned, where you have key staff who are really good and um, subject matter experts, they can put together, you know, key little trainings. Um, but there is so much out there and available to really go after on a, on a smaller basis. If you can't afford to bring in a trainer or you don't, the, the resources or the, the wherewithal right there, certainly looking at a lot of other different types of training and self-development. I mean, that's the other piece is you want to make sure as you're doing training for everyone that you're hitting all the different kinds of training styles because some people are verbal, some people are kinesthetic, they like to visual, you know, you've got people who are process thinkers. So not everybody likes to be trained in the same manner. And that's where I think as you start to develop training for your your team, for your employees, really think about how somebody, ask your employees, how do you like to learn? Or thinking about training, you know, what do they think and feel? How do you like to learn? What kind of training is most important to you? And that's another piece because a lot of times what comes up for training is time management and prioritization. You know, how do you manage your time? And so, again, if you think about that as a topic, you can go to people and say, we want to do some more training on, you know, managing your time and prioritizing. How do you like to learn what would be the most Mm -hmm. effective way for you to get this? Because that's the key. You want people to walk away with retaining something that they've learned. Yes. And I, and I know I've, I've probably made, mis- I think like all of us, we make mistakes over the years and you just think, well, send this person off on a training course or right. tell them to, you know, watch this webinar. And then yeah. that's as far as it goes. And you don't follow up on it and say, okay, so what did you learn from it? And was this the best method of sure. getting that, uh, that, that information? One thing I always encourage managers to do when you're sending somebody to a conference, so let's say you're sending three people, you're going to go to a conference. And I think we are going to conferences this year. Uh, <laughs> so, hope, some of us can. Well, hopefully, hopefully, Heather <laughs> will see you. But when you're sending people to conferences, you know, you're investing a lot of money. You're investing in registration, hotels and airfare, times and meals and, you know, go through and identify, you know, what um, sessions they want to attend. Then ask the employees to come back and do a lunch and learn. And they come back and they share the highlights from the session. So that's one of the ways I think people can really retain it is that you send them out to get the knowledge and then they bring the knowledge back and they share that knowledge, Mm -hmm. whether it's a five minute YouTube to the team of what they took away, a lunch and learn, but really hold um, employees accountable for coming back with specific takeaways. 
uh, I like that. Uh, very much like that. So, <laughs> yes, wouldn't it be nice? And I, I saw that there was a VRMA Connect in Destin and, and looking at all those people, nobody's wearing masks. It's just like, oh, my gosh, it's back to normal. Yeah, I saw a picture and there were like five people and they were all over each other's shoulders. And I'm like, that's not six foot spacing. How awesome. <laughs> <laughs> I know it was so wonderful to actually see people in the industry getting together. Yeah. Oh, my gosh. I mean, it just it's like there is a light. There's a light at the end of this tunnel here. <laughs> Yes, yes, there, there, there is, and I, you know, I know you've had your own personal family battles with this, with this pandemic, and I'm so glad those are are over, and yeah. you know, it it does look like we've turned the corner. So, well, and you know, as you think about it, the one thing you know I'm encouraged about is, you know, before the pandemic even hit, we were talking about what the workforce looks like and how the workforce is changing. And I think that people are really learning how valuable it is to have employees who have a broad range of skill sets Mm -hmm. so that they continue to grow and evolve as the work changes. You know, when people were sent home to work, there were several people who could, you know, sent home, but there was no work because their work, you know, was involved in laundry or folding sheets or, you know, direct work. So, you know, really looking at the tasks that can be done remote and what mm-hmm. needs to be done at home. So there's a lot of a lot of shifts that were happening already. And I think COVID just really ramped it up. And, you know, there's a lot of information about remote workers and I think that there's going to be a strong hybrid model coming out of this. And does it excites me because it just opens up the talent for companies all over. And, and of <laughs> course, the, nice. the big bonus is that the whole vacation rental industry, you know, as, as a, a, a means of accommodation for travelers, vacation yeah. rentals are now right up there with everything else and you know it doesn't seem that long ago that we were at a vrma conference where i think home away was saying hey we've we've got a thick 36 percent rate of people knowing what vacation rentals are (laughs) it wasn't that long ago and you know it's really interesting because we think about staffing and you know you think about seasonal and hiring housekeepers and inspectors and certainly there is is a challenge and it's a shortage but it's these other positions that companies are still having trouble with finding. And so being able to recruit from anywhere, talk to people. And, you know, there are a lot of companies where, you know, people have been let go. So there's talent out there. But one impact I have seen and, you know, in talking to clients, they're with these drive to markets, they're booking, but they're booking longer stays. Mm -hmm. So they're not having as many turns. And so what they experienced last year when they were really short staffed with all these shorter turns, now a lot of them are seeing much longer um, stays. And so they're not having to have as many turns back to back. So people are starting to reintroduce the longer stay again, which, which is really nice. Yes, I, I love it. We've uh, we, we given up on weekends now because we don't need to. I don't need to do weekends anymore. <laughs> Definitely not one-nighters and now not two-nighters either. So long may it last. We'll, we'll see what That's happens. Right. We'll see what happens when travel opens up again and everybody goes disappearing off because we, we do have quite the captive market at the moment. 
Well, and it, it will be very interesting too, because a year, you know, 16 months of not traveling really puts your travel into perspective and how much do you want to travel? Mm-hmm. You know, I, mean, I think that people are going to be very, very cognizant of the amount of time that they put back onto the road, especially after connecting and people are used to Zoom now. And, you know, there's so much that you can accomplish. Yeah, absolutely. Face to face. So your company, HR for VR, you focus on the vacation rental industry. So what size companies do you generally work for? And, you know, are your services something that can be offered to these very small managers and those just kicking off and looking for their first few hires? Sure. I, um, to answer your question, I work with companies of all sizes I, I would say the majority of my clients are probably between five to seven employees to maybe 50, maybe, you know, and a couple with more. Where I have really enjoyed and in, in getting in and learning this industry is working with the smaller companies and the smaller business owners and because of their interest in getting it right to start. And so, as we all know, how critical it is for that first hire. And that's where I think for me, my passion is I love to work on this strategic end and think about, okay, Heather, you want to make your first hire and you want to replace yourself, but what parts do you want to replace? And so I would say about 20% of my businesses with very small small Mm -hmm. business owners and just starting with their first hires. I worked with actually at, uh, I think it was the last Verma conference I was at and um, they had started a mentor program. And I thought, well, okay, I'll sign up as a mentor. And I met an individual as a mentee and they were just starting and they had, you know, all these subcontractors. And as we were talking and I ended up doing some work with her and I said, you know, you got to, you've got to hire this person. They're an employee. And it was a significant cost in, you know, increase. And, and it was awesome. And they just called back a couple of weeks ago. They now have three employees and now they're ready to grow a little bit. So I think for me, the clients I love to work with are the ones who are really invested and understand the importance of, of taking care of their people and, and the value mm-hmm. it brings. Well, I'll make sure that you have, that I have all your information at the end of the show notes because uh, I, I've learned so much from you and I sort of glean information every time we have a chat and, <laughs> and it certainly helped me no end. Yeah. Well, thank you. You know, it's always such a great, I just, I love talking with people and throwing ideas. And I think that right now, the more creative people are, I mean, that's the piece that I think has opened up is there's been so much creativity and innovation coming out of this. The way people are doing business is different and that's exciting. Yes. Yes, it absolutely is. Long, long may it last. And that's, that's the thing about this business is that it it never gets boring. (laughs) Oh my gosh, no. And here I am in Idaho Falls and I'm right outside Island Park and I'm right next to Park City. And, you know, it's so nice because I can drive around now and and get out and and see some things too. So it's really great. Well, I hope we get to um, get to get together later in the year. Well, Heather, you get there. (laughs) When our powers that be let us go across the border. (laughs) So it's been an absolute pleasure talking with you as ever. Thank you so much. Thank you. 
Thank you, Sue, so much for that. Always an absolute pleasure to talk to Sue Jones of HR for VR. Yeah, and remember, you know, if I think if I if I look back to the beginning of my first hire, which was back in 2004, I think, 2004, 2005, and we actually did it right because I needed somebody to do the books. And we interviewed Sandra and she, she just came across as a really nice person. And she had been working in a bank for 17 years. So, so really that was my yes moment. It was my yes moment that this was a person I wanted. She'd worked in a bank for 17 years. She'd know exactly what to do about bookkeeping, etc. And in fact, we got it right. We got it right. She's still with us 15 odd years later. And she has complete control of, you know, she, basically she's our finance manager and office manager and generally calm person. The, the, the person that stays completely calm in the face of just about everything. So, so we did it right, but that was more by luck than by judgment. And I think if I was, if I was starting off again like that, I would probably, to make sure I got it completely right, I would go to Sue. I would hire Sue to help me through that initial process to make sure I got the right person. Because it would cost an awful lot more if you took somebody through a lot of training and then realized two or three years down the line that this person was not the right one for the job. And you were still doing as much as you did previously because that person hadn't taken over all the things that you don't want to do because you'd hired to find somebody that was just like you. So somebody like Sue and HR for VR, definitely keep in mind if you're looking for your first hire or, or you're in there with a couple of employees and you need to hire more and you're not sure which ones are the right ones for you. So thank you, Sue. Always an absolute pleasure. So that's it for this week. I'm sort of getting ahead of the game now and recording a few interviews ahead of time leading up to my 400th episode, which I mentioned last week, still thinking about what I'm going to do for that episode. So please let me know. You can email me at heather at vacationrentalformula.com. You can put something in the show notes. Come to my Facebook page, my Facebook group, the business of short-term rental and property management. And I am posting about the 400th episode and what people would like to see in that. And I will be listening to everybody's opinions and then coming to a decision from that. So once again, thanks for listening. Always a pleasure to be with you. And uh, of course, I will be back again next week. You've been listening to the Vacation Rental Success Podcast, and we hope you've enjoyed this episode. This episode was brought to you by the Vacation Rental Formula's own Virtual Vendor Showcase, your go-to location when searching for new products and services for your vacation rental business. Head across to vacationrentalformula.com forward slash VVS to find out more. It's been a pleasure as ever being with you. If there's anything you'd like to comment on, then join the conversation on the show notes for the episode at vacationrentalformula.com. We'd love to hear from you. And I look forward to being with you again next week.